0: and welcome to the Taking Control of Your Diabetes podcast. I'm Dr. Steve Edelman, and I'm not here today with my good co-host and close friend, Jeremy Pettis, but I am here to discuss a very serious issue called frozen shoulder, and with me is a good friend and colleague, and very importantly, uh, the ultimate physical therapist that has helped me get through my frozen shoulder, And recently, my knee replacement. That's not the topic of today. Reese Jensen. Reese, tell us something about yourself.
1: Well, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I'm a physical therapist. Um, I went to Boston University, got my DPT. I've been a physical therapist for almost 34 years. And I've been with uh, PRN, Physical Rehabilitation Network, for uh, the whole time.
0: And that's a nationwide organization of physical therapy sites. Physical
1: therapy clinics, yeah. It started in my office in Encinitas, and now we have several hundred in, in uh, seven or eight states. Yeah, So we've grown, grown a lot.
0: Well, before I ask you the very first question, I think I just have to say that um, having a good physical therapist that is smart and knows the mechanics around your injury, whether that's your shoulder, your hip, your knee, is Somewhat important, and as you have really helped me quite a bit, I really appreciate that. Um, my pleasure. Okay, let's talk about frozen shoulder. What is it? and and what causes it?
1: So they don't know exactly what causes it. They think it has to do with glycation, where the um, glucose and the ligaments um, become sticky, and it is a insidious onset. So it happens for for no good reason. The body makes a mistake. So let's say you lift something and you felt uh, a small pain in your shoulder or you bump your arm against a door jamb, or do a few more reps than you should at the gym and your shoulder's sore. Normally, a normal situation is a few days later that goes away. But when you develop frozen shoulder over a period of a couple weeks, it turns into a very painful, very limiting um, condition where you can't touch the top of your head, you can't reach your other armpit, you can't put your hand behind your back. Because the capsule, which holds the shoulder together, has gotten very sticky. And all those parts have now gotten stuck together. And, and that's a painful, challenging condition.
0: Yeah, I, I can attest, as I've had it twice, but 10 years apart. Well, tell, give us that, some statistics. That's the statistic, actually. You're, you're about 16%
1: more likely to have it. If you have it in your right arm, you have a 16% chance of having it also in your left arm at some point. Again, we don't know why, but it's, it's just the stat.
0: Well, what give us some more stats like how much more likely is it for men versus women and does it matter if you're how long you've had diabetes type 1 or type 2 uh, well 58 percent of the people that get frozen
1: shoulder are female it's it's there's about a two percent prevalence in in the general population um, but for for diabetics it's thirteen point four percent yeah
0: that's that's so huge. it's,
1: it's a much bigger um, number and number of people that are getting
0: it than in the general population. Yeah. Now we we talked about this a little bit before, but both of my situations, I don't remember any trauma, but you know, my control may not have been that great. And this last time it was probably a lot better, but nonetheless, um, what are kind of the early symptoms where someone could say, Hey, I think I heard that podcast and I think I might have the beginning of a frozen shoulder while I treat my blood sugar that just went a little bit above 150. It's because you're so nervous. (laughs) No, not really. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Uh, past the the painful part we're going to talk about.
1: Well, so if you you do something and you have a sore shoulder and it doesn't resolve in a couple of days and it starts feeling worse for no good reason and you start being unable to lift your arm above shoulder height um, and have aching at night and you can't sleep on that side, If you notice that within the first seven to 10 days after the pain starts, you should go see your doctor because the quicker you can get in and get a diagnosis and start treating it, the more likely you are to avoid the year-long
0: course that some people have to go through. Yeah, and that was my case because I developed it right during COVID. I didn't realize that your office was open. Everything, everybody else was closed. I know you're still putting kids through college, so you had had (laughs) to stay open. And I'll tell you what, I can kick myself for not saying I need to go see Dr. Jensen because I probably live with the symptoms six to nine months. I try to do uh, you know exercises on the internet. and uh, the other big lesson I would like to tell listeners, and you know this it's it's impossible to do this yourself. Um, but tell but before we get into therapy, what other motions? would someone have a hard time doing? You mentioned raising your hands above your head. Um, And I know I always had this thought, if I ever got arrested for drinking and they put me in handcuffs behind my back, I would die. Yeah,
1: that's probably the worst one. That's a a combined motion of reaching behind and rotating your arm. So uh, for females trying to do the bra strap, uh, for guys trying to wash their other armpit, reaching up to grab the, if you're the driver, reaching up to grab your uh, seatbelt, and try and grab your seatbelt and pull it down, those, those kinds of things. Anything where you're not just reaching directly in front of you or directly to the side, any combined motion or rotation, because all those um, tissues become stuck together, it really limits you in the combined motions as opposed to just lifting straight up and overhead.
0: Yeah, you know, and I, even putting on a dress shirt, I put my right arm in, but then I could not reach back and put my left arm through the sleeve. So I learned to put my shirt on with my left sleeve first. Now, what about, you know, you mentioned bras. I, If I was a female, there's no way I could ever put on or take off a bra. And I learned subsequently that you can get bras that unhook in the front. And at least that allows women to deal with that. But there's no way I could have done that.
1: Yeah, it makes those kinds of things really tough. Putting it on in front and spinning it around you know, and you're basically doing kind of a shimmy dance to get your, your clothes on in the morning because you don't have that shoulder motion. And it's painful. It's not that you just can't move it there. It hurts. Yeah. And you know it hurts because you went through it. So uh, what's what's a
0: typical way you make the diagnosis?
1: Well, the physician will make it based on your your loss of motion and the pain that you're having. And they can also do an MRI, which will show the tissues that are uh, stuck together in the shoulder. There's a, there's a pattern of... Um, of um, connective tissue that they can see on the MRI that says, okay, this shoulder's frozen. But I can make the diagnosis, and I have, just by putting someone through, through the motion and feeling their shoulder. When the, humerus, when, the, when, when the humerus bone does not glide back and forth normally, when I grab your shoulder and move it, um, I, can, I can feel the capsule stuck together. And, and that's where, you're right, you couldn't do it yourself, I couldn't do it to myself because I need a separate pair of hands to move those two structures independently.
0: Yeah, it's very hard to um, to do these things yourself when it causes pain, and um, I would I would say this, Reese, that there are a lot of doctors that don't know s h i t about frozen shoulder, um, and there's some that do, but most orthopedic surgeons would have a pretty good idea uh, of what it is, and I think for you and I'd say the physical therapy profession in all the years I've used them for my different joints is you can make a diagnosis on physical exam, like 95% of the time. And especially someone like yourself with years of experience, you know? So, um, when you, when I came in to see you and someone has comes in with you're pretty sure it's a frozen shoulder, you have the MRI or, uh, or other diagnostic criteria and what's, what's the plan of therapy? Well,
1: first, we want to assess, you know, what your functional loss is, what your range of motion loss is, take the measurements, um, test your strength, see if there's anything else maybe going on. Uh, if you've injured your rotator cuff in, in, in the initial uh, injury, perhaps, um, are you osteoporotic? Is there any, anything else that might make it difficult for us to do our job safely to get your shoulder moving? So we first assess all that, and then we come up with a plan, which in your case was to try and mobilize, do joint mobilization, or I move one bone relative to the other to try and improve that that joint mobility so that you can then lift your arm up. And while you wanted it to work and I wanted it to work, um, your muscles were fighting me because of the pain. So I have a tight joint, and I have your muscles fighting me, and I'm fighting you. And that's a recipe for disaster. That's when you know a therapist that tries to do that and be a cowboy ends up with a, a torn rotator cuff or, or breaking somebody's uh, humerus. So there's a point where we go, okay— um, we're not going to get to do this conservatively, and that's when I told you to make the next step. Well, describe the next step. So if someone doesn't have a problem with, with steroids, um, you can do an injection like your doc did for you with a steroid and, uh, and Marcaine, and then within an hour or two of that injection, come into the clinic, and you're less painful, and we have that steroid in there. So when I mobilize your shoulder, there's not going to be a lot of swelling, and that's what worked for you. I was able to, to break your adhesions free safely. And while it was, as you have said, the most painful thing you've ever experienced, within an, a few days, you you realize, oh my gosh, my shoulder is moving. And the pain got, got better. And we, over a period of uh, another four to six weeks, we got most of your motion back. If you can't do injections or you have other issues with that, you can do oral uh, prednisone tapering dose pack. That'll help with the inflammation as well. Um, if that doesn't work, or if that's not an option, then or your pain threshold is too low to deal with me stretching your shoulder every time, then you can go into your to your surgeon. They'll put you under anesthesia uh, lightly, and while you're out, then they'll manipulate the shoulder because, again, the muscles aren't fighting, and you're not aware of the pain, so you're not going to be guarding, and they manipulate it, and then they send you right into therapy to, to keep that motion.
0: Yeah. Now, I'll tell you what, Reese. I I tried on my own for quite a while, and even working with you, there's only so much you could do because it was so painful. Um, And then when I got that injection by Dr. Robertson, I got to your office, and you just say, (laughs) you were able to manipulate. To this day, it is the single most painful thing in my life. And I heard it, and you heard it. It was just like a rip and a tear. And I was... I almost passed out from the pain. Yeah, you were pretty and, pale. And you yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pale anyway, so <laughs> and then you it, the pain didn't bother you at all. You were happy.
1: Oh yeah, when I hear that sound, I know that that within a couple of days you're going to be feeling so much better. Reese,
0: I felt better leaving the office that day. Right. I felt, I, you know, the pain didn't, it's important for me to tell everybody, the pain didn't last long. It was just instantaneous pain. Right. And it went away quickly. And you asked me if I was okay, made sure I didn't stand up. But um, it made the whole difference in the world. From there, it was, I'd say at this point, complete recovery. Right, um, And I, I'm able to do a lot of things I couldn't do before. And it did take a while with with exercising and hanging from a bar to get I could never even think about doing that before. Well, now, you, you dealt with it for so long that
1: you'd had some atrophy. And so just the motion wasn't the end of the story. We had to get your strength and your function back. And I, I want to say that, you know, the manipulating a shoulder is not a, something I do very often. It's, it's pretty rare. It has to come down to the patient agreeing to do it, the surgeon being, or the doc being okay with it, and me knowing there's no uh, contraindications that I'm going to injure you, right? Um, I had the good fortune of being in the operating room with a, orthopedic surgeon friend of mine to manipulate a couple of my patients that, that weren't getting better. So I got to see how it was done. I got to feel how, you know, pre and post manipulation and what that sound was. So I didn't freak out. Um, so I have a, a lot of experience in that particular um, diagnosis and treatment. So it's not something every therapist would want to do or will do or should do. But mm-hmm. um, if you go to someone who's an orthopedic certified specialist an OCS, they should have a lot more, um, experience and background to be able to, to do that if it's indicated.
0: Well, you mentioned something else earlier that if you don't know the right type of manipulation, you could actually cause a rotator cuff injury. Would yes. You maybe can explain that. And you said something else with a humerus. Humerus is, the, is your arm bone.
1: <laughs> yeah, your arm bone. If, I mean, if I have an older female and, and she might be osteoporotic or rheumatoid arthritic or someone with lupus where they, they may have uh, poor bone health, then that's makes it a contraindication. I don't want to end up, you know, breaking someone's uh, humerus trying to get their shoulder motion.
0: That's, that's just going against everything we're trying yeah. to do. Then you need a good lawyer, right? Uh, um, yeah. Well, um, in terms of recovery, uh, it sounds like there's a lot of variables depending on how long you went with symptoms before addressing therapy. But typically... Uh, In like you said, the next four to six weeks, you can get back to functionality, maybe not a hundred percent. And why is it that you can get, um, why a frozen shoulder occurs, can occur 10 years apart, but also you mentioned, and we talked about this earlier, that um, if you have it once, at least you can be pretty comfortable with it not happening again. Yeah. It doesn't usually happen in the same
1: shoulder twice usually will occur in the other shoulder, you know, five to 10 years apart from from the first one. So for some people that's ha- that have had a really challenging first frozen shoulder, where they maybe had to have injections and manipulation or even arthroscopic surgery to, to release everything, that's pretty scary. Oh my God, it's happening in the other shoulder now. I got to go through this all again. But that's, you know, that's their genetics. Um, so you can't, Totally prevent it. You just have to know. Okay, well, this is what I have to do to, to get through this one. Yeah, okay. and you only have two shoulders, so then after that, you're done.
0: <laughs> well, that that's good. Well, I, I could knock on wood here, but I had my right shoulder over ten years ago, and that never came back. And then my left shoulder three years ago, and that never came back. What other conditions do people with diabetes who do, who get frozen shoulder have? Um, are there other conditions that sort of are also seen when someone gets a frozen shoulder? It depends on their uh,
1: general activity and fitness. So if they don't have uh, if they don't really exercise or use use their arms for much, then you know they could have um, relatively weak scapular stabilizers and rotator cuff muscles that um, during the course of this could get even weaker. So it may be hard for them to get back to doing you know putting sh- um, dishes up on shelves and cleaning and doing things, you know, lifting things basically because they already had kind of a weak shoulder. Uh, or rotator cuff dysfunction, and
0: now they have the the frozen shoulder on top. Reese, let's talk about the natural history of the frozen shoulder. Now, I've heard you talk about, you know, freezing, frozen, thawing. We're not talking about making a daiquiri. I want to talk about the shoulder, but I I like those analogies because frozen is in there. The real term is adhesive
1: capsulitis. That's the medical term for it, but people call it a frozen shoulder because it's not moving. So in the first seven to 10 days after whatever injury or sleeping funny on your arm, whatever happened, uh, it goes into the freezing stage where everything gets sticky and sticks together, just like the the pleats on your shirt. If I stuck the pleats on your shirt to your side with a staple, you wouldn't be able to lift your arm and it would hurt. That's kind of what happens to those little pleats. So that's the first stage. Then then there's the frozen part, and that can last um, several months up to, up to 18 months. And we don't know why it starts. And, and in the same token, we don't know why sometimes after 12 to 18 months, it just goes away on its own. Um, and then we call that the thawing period, where either you've gotten treatment and the adhesions have released and you're getting your motion back, or the body just decides it made a mistake, my bad, and... You know, it takes away the adhesions, and you you go back to motion.
0: Yeah. Well, my very first frozen shoulder i I did not get therapy for it, and it it took two years to go away. It was miserable. Yeah, quite, quite it's a miserable. it's
1: a lot of loss of motion and and function over that time. So early intervention is really important to figure out what you have and what the best path is.
0: That, that's that's probably true with uh, any condition, heart disease, blood pressure, early, diabetes. The yeah. earlier, the better. Well, what about – you probably don't have an answer for this, but I know a lot of listeners are probably thinking, what could I do to prevent having one? And um, I don't know if you have an answer for that, or there is an answer for that, but I might as well ask you. (laughs) I don't think there's – yeah, there's not a real good answer. Um,
1: Obviously, if you're engaged in activities that um, challenge the shoulder, like if you're gardening and you're using a pick and shoveling and lifting heavy stuff – And you're diabetic and maybe you're not in the best shape. You know, that's a chance to cause an injury in your shoulder, which then could trigger that frozen shoulder um, syndrome. Um, But you can't prevent it. If you have the genetics and you unfortunately happen to be diabetic or sugar normal, um, (laughs) you you may get it. And that's just part of it. And you can't really totally prevent it, just like you you can't prevent other stuff from happening in your body either.
0: Well, my my final question, suggestion having lived through this twice is when you start getting a pain in your shoulder doing certain activities like for a female you know putting on your bra because that that is very painful or a guy putting on your shirt sleeves right and then when you hook your shoulder around to get the other sleeve in it, if that pain doesn't go away in a couple of days and you don't understand where it's coming from you know you should be thinking frozen shoulder and I, I think the earlier you intervene uh, the better off it'll be, the pain won't be as great. You can do the exercises, especially and and live through a Reese Jensen uh, visit. Um, you know, at, at, <laughs> at, you should listeners should know if you go to his office in San Diego, um, there's one room that's it's the torture room. No, the screen room. <laughs> <laughs> And he, Affectionately called, Reese will close the door so that when I scream, it doesn't disturb and upset the other it's customers just for your, getting treated. It's
1: for your dignity. We don't we don't want you to feel embarrassed when you're in pain. And so, yeah, we have private rooms. We don't make you sit out in the gym and suffer. We take you in the room and do what we need to do. You know, with courtesy and and professionalism. But yeah, it's not comfortable. It is. And same when you had your total knee, I had to bend your knee. That's what therapy is. If if getting better from surgery was easy, I wouldn't have a job. I'd be doing podcasts.
0: Yeah, and just to remind our listeners that if you're a viewing type of person, you could watch my visit to Reese's office and where he manipulates my shoulder and causes me real pain. I wasn't acting, uh, and so that's that's on our website. And also, you know, uh, we should conclude with maybe saying uh, one or two words. That you'd like to say, and you should mention PRN again too, because I think a lot of people could benefit from uh, your physical therapy company. Okay,
1: yeah. Well, so if you injure your shoulder, obviously, if it's a, you fall down, you hurt your shoulder, you should go see your doctor. Don't don't stick it out. Go and make sure that nothing's fractured and you haven't torn anything. If it's a simple injury and it's hanging around for you know longer than it should. And you all of a sudden can't reach your top of your head or behind your back. Go see your doctor. Try and get in and get that treatment started. Get the inf- inflammation down and get into therapy so you can avoid having the f- freezing part be uh, you know really significant and limiting. So I've been I've been in San Diego like I said thirty four years with PRN. Get the websites. Yeah, we are. In San Diego, it's www.prnsandiego.com. Our, our general website is www.prnpt.com. And we do have clinics in multiple states, um, Nevada, Arizona, Texas, Washington, Oregon, yada, yada, yada. Um, but w- this was the original uh, location for PRN. And we are a network of physical therapist-owned clinics. So we're not owned by physicians or other entities. We're owned by PTs and um we try and have in all of our clinics the same level of professionalism and et- ethical care that uh, that uh, brings us good results
0: and great and great outcomes and standing in community. Well, you obviously love what you do and you're very good at it. So, Reese, thank you so much for joining uh, our podcast today. Thank you, I appreciate it.